You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. You are listening to another episode of Breakfast Show. This is Voice of Islam Radio broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Britain. My name is Shahbini Ahmed, and I'm joined here with my brother and co-host Asim Hashmi. Asim, Assalamu alaikum, peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sail, how are you doing? Um, I'm pretty well, Alhamdulillah. Doing very well. How about you? I'm good, Alhamdulillah. Good. Enjoying the World Cup? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We had some really expo- surprising results in the last few days. I wouldn't call them surprising. Yes, you wouldn't would call, call Argentina sh- shocking. Shocking, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Um, there was some shocking. Um, even yesterday, uh, Spain won seven 0 to Costa Rica. That was shocking too. Mm-hmm. Considering that Spain, when Spain won the World Cup in 2010, they scored in the whole tournament that time only seven goals. And now in the first match, they already scored seven goals. Yeah, they're stepping up. But what I've seen is that those teams, apart from Costa Rica now, those teams who were considered as weak, they have become stronger and uh, the competition is uh, getting higher and getting tougher as well. Um, or is it that because the strong teams are not paying too much attention anymore or getting weaker? I think it could be above, to be honest. We have um, those so-called weaker teams which were before stepping up now and you can actually see their confidence. Mm. And also, on the other hand, if you see these big cl- uh, um, countries, Germany, Argentina, you have um, Croatia, you know, um, Croatia were runner-ups uh, last time. So um, all these countries are not stepping up, which is a worrying. And we, we could see uh, some different teams in the final, I believe. What do you reconcile? We would see different teams in the final. Yeah, well, uh, like it could be possible. Maybe Saudi Arabia reached the final. Uh, could be Japan as well. Um, Orana, Senegal. They got strong teams and they got good players as well, mm-hmm. especially yeah. those African pl- uh, countries. Um, yeah, the possibility is there. Um, Football is a game where you can't just only trust anything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it is a game of full surprises, mm-hmm. which we have seen in the last few days as well, again and again. Um, I wouldn't mind to see two other new teams in the final, and especially from uh, not from Europe or South America. Um, I wouldn't mind to see any African team uh, winning the World Cup as well, because I think they are those who have a lot, also a lot of passion about fo- football. Yeah. I mean... And you can see that in the game. You can see them. I mean, if you look at all, all great and big clubs in the world, you will find at least one or two African as well. Absolutely. So... I mean, you got the last ball on door. Uh, Benzema. Benzema. Who's... Uh, basically from Algeria. Yeah. Yeah, why, why not? Uh, Arab countries and African countries are stepping up. They are. They are definitely... Um, it is surprising um, that I was totally surprised by uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, Argentina. I was thinking that 
But to be honest, I was thinking that uh, Saudi Arabia is going to lose like 6-0, 7-0. Mm-hmm. But the way how they defended, especially in the second half, yeah, was amazing. And they got only two chances and they took those two chances. Especially the second goal was amazing. Um, oh, yes. Uh, no doubt. It could be the best goal of the tournament. Let's it could see. be. Uh, let's see. I mean, the tournament is still young. Mm-hmm. We've seen more, more, more goals. Um, yesterday, Germany lost against Japan after one lead. One n- lead, um, also a surprise uh, result. Uh, especially, um, I've seen there was some misunderstanding in the defending as well. Um, Süle, Schlotterberg, which couldn't like um, manage or weren't able uh, to coordinate with the other two defenders, Rüdiger and Raum. Especially in the second goal, um, they were playing on offside and Sula was not paying attention towards that and that's why the hmm. Japanese player, he was free to go and to score. Of course, Schottlerberg should have also stopped him. But anyhow, I saw some individual mistakes in the defending. I mean, it's the first game. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, yeah, let's, let's hope see. hope everyone learns well, from their mistakes. For Germany, it's going to be very difficult because they're going to face now Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Argentina is going to play against uh, Mexico. Play nil nil against. Um, I can't remember anymore. Um, but I know that the goalkeeper is. Oh, it's, uh, it's very Poland. This is Poland. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah, Poland. Good that you pointed that country out now because Lewandowski. He's known as Lewandowski because he scores a lot of goals for in club level. Uh, for and Bayern, it, you mean? Bayern Munich and now Barcelona. And uh, um, also for his country, he has scored many, many goals. But yes, if yeah. it comes to World Cup, he has played now his fourth World Cup game. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time in 2018, they were not got in the group stages. And one reason was because Lewandowski couldn't score in 2018. I mean, Sahil, the thing is, no matter how big you're a player, you always need a good team at the back. You can't do everything alone. It's 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 like playing against uh, four defenders alone. You know, mm. it's it's mm. not possible. No, it's true. Uh, dear listeners, um, of course the World Cup is still going on. Let us know what do you think. Who's gonna win the World Cup? You can call us at any time at o two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam, uh, Voice of Islam UK. Um, also, we will have today in the drive time show a show about the World Cup. People will talk about the nations and what they think. So you can listen um, uh, anytime to that as well. Uh, before we go, carry on to our actual topic, which are very interesting. Um, Asim, can you introduce us? What is the, uh, What are those two segments which we are going to discuss? So, Sahil, the first segment will be a Britain's first hijab-wearing MP. Absana Begum, mm-hmm. and the second topic is: Is it possible to stop aging? Wow. Okay, this is interesting as well, mm-hmm. especially for those listeners who think that they are getting older and older. And older. You, you know, you have this common thing that when people sometimes think, okay, if you are thirty, you are old. Mm-hmm. Especially those, you know, y- young children. Recently, I was reading a tweet. I don't have Twitter, but I re- was reading a tweet. But um, I found that somewhere. Um, someone tweeted that if I, being 16, consider someone who's 30 as an uncle or auntie, like as an old person. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, this is where you know people start. Oh, okay, I'm already old now. What should I do, etc. But this is very interesting as well. And of course, um, Britain's first wedding hijab. I'm asking. I know we are not the only one who's going to discuss these topics. We have uh, also very um, interesting guests with us. We have um, Zalakha Ahmed, and we have Daniela Anton. And of course, we have Alyssa Bianco Hestia. So, dear listeners, these topics which we are going to discuss are going to be very interesting. But before we do so, we will carry on some with other news. Um, dear listeners, we're going to f- for a short break, and after that, we'll be back. So, stay with us. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو يعلم المؤمن ما عند الله من العقوبة ما طمع بجنته أحد ولو يعلم الكافر ما عند الله من الرحمة ما قلط من جنته أحد حضرت أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه نريتس that the Holy Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said If a believer were to know the punishment in hell, none would have the audacity to aspire for paradise, but he would earnestly desire to be rescued from hell. And if a non-believer were to know what is there with Allah as a mercy, none would have been disappointed in regard to paradise. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. You listening to Voice of Islam Radio, that radio who's promoting the true teachings of Islam. Dear listeners, um, I want to know from you, what do you think about knowledge? I know especially those students who are going to school, uh, what do you think? Is it something you are getting bored of? Or do you think there should be some changing? Um, Asim, I know I don't know how uh, long it has been since you have last visit <laughs> to school but how was your school time i mean i did really enjoy my school mm. uh, especially the breaks and the homeworks uh, uh, not not not, homework. not so the homeworks <laughs> okay yeah well this, this okay i'll skip this part sorry i mean i was an average student mm. i used to love uh, maths i was really good at it okay and that's it basically that's <laughs> <laughs> well okay i mean at least one yeah it was good it was good okay mm-hmm. that's good as well yeah, yeah. no um I, i liked history oh uh, i really love history um sp- and um especially you know those history about ancient history about ancient greek mm-hmm. ancient e- egypt etc and uh, of course also the history about america um Awesome, but uh, about knowledge, I mean, school is something we need to go anyway. Absolutely, yeah. And um, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he has said that a teacher is... No, I'm uh, sorry, um, the second caliph of Islam, Umar has said that the teacher is like your father. We should consider mm-hmm. him as a father. Yeah, as a f- yeah. Because they are taking time for our education, and they do and a lot that we can benefit from that. Awesome. Um about knowledge, what is Islam basically you're saying in regards of that? I mean, um, Islam says, that, you know, like the Holy Prophet ﷺ has said that if you have to seek knowledge, even if you have to go to uh, China, you should go mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. seek knowledge. I mean, th- nowadays it's very easy to go to China, you yeah. just book a ticket, but that time, you don't, you the only thing you had as a vehicle was camels. It would have taken months. Months, and yes, true. Um, I'm... Asking the reason I ask you that question is because on the BBC News today I just read that in Scottish Scotland teachers going for a strike. 
So the headline is Scottish schools shut as teachers strike over pay. And this is the first national school strike since the 1980s. And you know, you need to understand that pupils at nearly every primary and secondary school and many council nurseries are affected by the industrial action over pay. BBC is saying a revised pay offer on Tuesday was rejected as insulting by unions, but Education Secretary Shirley N. Somerville said their demands for a 10% pay, pay rise were unaffordable. A new pay offer from employer Kostler, which would have seen rises of up to 6.85% for the lowest paid was fair, said Ms. Somerville. Now, the ES, uh, EIS, EIS now represents about 80% of the country's teachers and its action are closing almost all primary, secondary and additional support needs school. Only a handful of primary schools in Orkney and Shetland will remain open. Many early years learning centers and nurseries are also affected. Awesome. An honest question. If that would happen in your lifetime as a student, mm -hmm. would you enjoy it? I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy too. But, but of course, uh, if we think about it now, it, 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 it is, is really it, it, it is really bad. Very bad. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, knowledge is necessary. Of we course. Need, we need to get knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um this is something mm, we can't live a, we can look at the world everything is made with knowledge and Islam is basically some religions promoting knowledge as you have already said Dolly Prophet people upon him would uh, motivate his companions to seek knowledge even if they have to travel to China at that time um, but you know this is bringing disruption also as well like for students for the people because school has started now it's going to be not to an end but they are kind of on holidays and it's bringing disruption into their learning system as well for them as well for the, for the children as well mm -hmm. I mean it was already hard getting children back after COVID and then once uh, you know they have uh, been a routine and then having strikes it's, it is it is difficult honestly yeah it is I mean uh, COVID had a lot of effect. Uh, but you know the thing is that um, I have asked a few of the students that how do you feel having school or during COVID? Mm -hmm. And they said in the beginning, obviously, they had now on planning they would spend their time or waste their time basically playing with PlayStation or other or with other video games. But then they said that they got bored as well. And they kind of miss the class and the mm -hmm. teacher and the environment and the atmosphere in the class as well. So school is basically fun as well. Absolutely, and and yeah. it's something you realize when you leave school then mm -hmm. in the end. Because that school has been a big part in the early life of everyone. And then suddenly you are going out and leaving it. So this is something, of course... Um, you miss school in the end, to be honest, awesome. You will agree with me if I yeah, say that. Of course, them. of course. Um, awesome. Today is... Of course, you have something to tell as well. Of course, we have some other news as well. So, one news is that um, Suela uh, Braveman mm -hmm. says we have failed to control our borders. Mm -hmm. Home Secretary Suela Braveman has admitted the UK government has failed to control its borders, blaming migrants and people smugglers for chaos at Kent's Manson Processing Centre. However, she 
also said the Home Office needed to improve its efficiency. MPs heard the Home Secretary had been warned four times keeping migrants at uh, Manston may be breaking the law. Previous reports suggested that uh, Ms. Braven was told failing to provide alternative accommodation was in breach of the law. Ms. Braven told the Home Office Home Affairs Select Committee she w- she would not comment on leaked documents. However, 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 she said she was aware from September Manston had a problem. So this is a, even a shocking news that we have failed to control our borders. Well, um, of course, you know this is something. Um, this is something where the government has put uh, needs to look after. We we would support the government, of course. Uh, this is what Islam says as well. Mm, for the safety, for the environment, for everyone, uh, it is the job of the government and, of course, of um, the armed forces that they take care of us. Mm-hmm. As citizens of this nation, our duty is that we come all of us close as a society and make sure that, as a society, we live peacefully as well. Asim, um what about uh, the weather today? Yeah, I mean, Sile, as you are walking, how cold was it? Was it really cold? I wasn't was walking, right? I was driving. Yeah. But when I Walked came out the from office. the yeah. car, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Oh. So um, today, a band of heavy rain oh, really? and squilly winds moving east today. Many places starting dry with sunny spells, although a few showers in the south and west. A band of heavy rain and squirrely winds will reach the west later this morning and move east across all areas by evening. Tonight, rain clearing the east, then windy with clear spells and showers, some heavy with thunder in the north and west, turning chilly with local frost inland as winds ease later. So dear listeners, make sure that you are covered. Um, it's going to be windy and rainy and um, so just to make sure that whenever you, when you have to go out that uh, you are covered as well um, and uh, that you uh, stay healthy as well it's getting colder um, and uh, as you see it's, um, I mean we have seen rain these few days a lot but you say it's going to be windy as well it's going to mm-hmm. be some more and more disturbance as well yeah, yeah. So another news is that the puzzle of UK's half a million missing workers. For the first time, more than 2.5 million people in the UK are out of work because of a long-term health problem. The number has jumped by half a million since the start of pandemic, but BBC News analysis reveals the impact is spread unevenly across the country with some regions and types of a job far more affected. Interesting. Interesting. Oh. So we have 2.5 million people who are out of work because of some long-term health problems. I mean, awesome. um, these health problems that are rising as well. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people suffering with anxiety, stress, and um, depression, etc. Uh what is the reason that living here, you know, people f- always um, assume, especially those who are living in the East, that living in the West is different and uh, living in the West is like something very good. Um, you will have no stress, no anxiety. 
But what I've seen is that people, even even the West, when they have even a lot of money and two cars and two houses, etc., still taking sleeping pills so they can sleep peacefully without any tensions. And unfortunately, the suicide rate is rising here as well. How comes that people are still not satisfied? I mean, Sahil, um, especially after the COVID, mm. we can see a, a rise in health problems. We've got everything in on our fingertips. Mm. All right, we've got our phone. Whatever we need, we can just order. Mm. We don't even need to walk. Mm. But if you see in the East, not everyone has these facilities. They stay healthy more. They go out more. And uh, that's why I, I believe they're much healthier uh, mentally as well. I also think that awesome, um, those people in the East, because they are not so much into those worldly affairs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, of course, for that, they looked and more try to get more, um, try to prosper in the, in the spiritual life. And they're happy what, with whatever they have. They have whatever they have. Uh, as I said, um, they try to prosper in spiritual life. And I think this is one of the key points as well, that um, we're living in a day and age where people are forgetting God, uh, but they're turning away from God. I think um, instead of taking the sleeping pills, why not taking... Why not remembering God more? Maybe this will help. Mm -hmm. As in the Holy Quran, God has promised Allah that with the remembrance of Allah, heart can find comfort. And this is we both have witnessed that many, mm -hmm. many times. Absolutely. And I think in this in this very difficult times in this day and age where people are turning away from God, living a stressful life, I think one key factor is because people are not or are forgetting God and to come closer or to get rid of all this stress I think the most important thing is to remember God more quite often awesome. one question I totally forget to ask tomorrow we have a match it is again England against USA what is what is what do you think what is your prediction I mean it, England's playing good we played very well against Iran yeah um they have a good team the, the only thing good is subs the only thing is Harry uh, Kane is ankle uh, I, i think he's injured yes mm. yeah i mean he didn't score he scored one goal i think no he didn't but score but he, he, didn't he score, was yeah. substituted yeah so i mean england have a good chance they have a good team apparently it's the most expensive team in oh, the world it? cup playing more than a billion pounds mm. so on number one But um, yeah, England has a good chance. But if you've got other teams as well, let's see how Brazil plays. And we've got Brazil playing so still. So today, right? Uh, it is today, yes, versus But Serbia. What's the prediction for tomorrow, England against USA? England, US versus USA. I mean, in USA, you have. Um, you have other sports you like. Uh, you have Pulisic. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's good. But of course, uh, one man is, isn't enough, as I said before. But uh, I think England can. Mm, Is I think it's gonna be win. a 3-1 yeah. victory for England. Okay, yeah, that's good. Dear listeners, um, what do you think? Who's gonna win tomorrow? England against USA? Let us know. Let us know your prediction. Call us at any any time at 020-86-877-878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. As I said before, we have a show today 
at the drive time show about the World Cup. People will talk about the teams and what they think, how far they will come. We also have the GOAT playing today. The GOAT? The GOAT, yeah, G O A T. Yeah, the GOAT, you can see, um, he was I've heard, uh, without a club. Yeah, he is he's without a club after the World Cup. After yeah. the World Cup. No, he's, yeah, now, even now he's without a club. He's mm-hmm. um, clubless, which is very so, um, surprising for a GOAT. So Portugal is playing versus Ghana. Today. Oh, this is going to be very interesting mm-hmm. today. I think it's going to be 1-1. One, one. Oh, 1-1, one, one, you're saying? Yeah, yes. uh, I mean, the thing is that um, uh, Portugal has, of course, put Ronaldo in the team, and but Portugal never performed very well in the World but Cup. But this time, if you see the lineup, Yeah, I mean, I've it, always seen the line. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Even before that, it was amazing. Portugal had always good players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But somehow they were ne- never able to perform or never able to... Yeah, well, never they achieved. performed in the Euros. That was And fine. the fun, funny thing is, when they won the Euros, they won it without Ronaldo because Ronaldo was substituted in the final very mm-hmm. quite nearly. But yeah, he did a very good a job as a coach. As a, as a manager. As yeah. a manager. <laughs> <laughs> he was the action manager in that time. No, he, he's very passionate. And I hope one of them... Messi or Ronaldo, they uh, one of them. They, they win the World Cup. I said one of them. I mean, both of them deserves. But you said you don't mind uh, even Saudi Arabia winning the World Cup. Who? Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, if they, if they, I mean, they're very well as well. They're very mm-hmm. good. Um, they know how to play with offside as well. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't we love a Portugal and Argentina final? Uh, I would like Holland and Argentina in the final. Holland. Okay. That's going to be very interesting. Why Holland? Uh, Holland has been always a club team, a nat- uh, tournament team, and it's always been so fun watching them, how they play. They have always good players. Mm-hmm. And they play always good tournaments as well. The only thing they could never w- uh, do is to win one of these tournaments. Dear listeners, um, we will go now for a short break, and after the real start with our first segment, which is going to be very interesting. It's about, as Arsene has already introduced, about the first wearing hijabi MP. So stay with us. We'll be back after a short break. Life of Muhammad, peace be upon him. High moral qualities. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was always very patient in adversity. He was never discouraged by adverse circumstances, nor did he permit any personal desire to get a hold over him. It has been related that his father had died before his birth and his mother died while he was still a little child. Up to the age of eight, he was in the guardianship of his grandfather, and after the latter's death, he was taken care of by his uncle, Abu Talib, both on account of natural affection and also because he had been specially admonished in that behalf by his father. Abu Talib always watched over his nephew with care and indulgence, but his wife was not affected by these considerations to the same degree. It often happened that she would distribute something among her own children, leaving out their little cousin. If Abu Talib chanced to come into the house on such an occasion, he would find his little nephew sitting apart, a perfect picture of dignity, and without a trace of sulkiness or grievance on his face. The uncle, yielding to the claims of affection and recognizing his responsibility, would run to the nephew, clasp him to his bosom and cry out, Do pay attention to this child of mine also. Do pay attention to this child of mine also. Such incidents were not uncommon, and those who were witnesses to them were unanimous in their testimony that the young Muhammad, peace be upon him, never gave any indication that he was in any way affected by them, or that he was in any sense jealous of his cousins. Later in life, when he was in a position to do so, he took upon himself the care 
and upbringing of two of his uncle's sons, Ali, peace be upon him, and Jafir, peace be upon him, and discharged this responsibility in the most excellent manner. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, throughout his life had to encounter a succession of bitter experiences. He was born an orphan, his mother died while he was still a small child, and he lost his grandfather at the age of eight years. After marriage, he had to bear the loss of several children, one after the other, and then his beloved and devoted wife, Khadija, died. Some of the wives he married after Khadija's death died during his lifetime, and towards the close of his life, he had to bear the loss of his son, Ibrahim. He bore all these losses and calamities cheerfully, and none of them affected in the least degree either his high resolve or the urbanity of his disposition. His private sorrows never found vent in public, and he always met everybody with a benign countenance and treated all alike with uniform benevolence. On one occasion, he observed a woman who had lost a child, occupied in loud mourning, over her child's grave. He admonished her to be patient and to accept God's will as supreme. The woman did not know that she was being addressed by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and replied, If you had ever suffered the loss of a child as I have, you would have realized how difficult it is to be patient under such an affliction. The Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, observed, I have suffered the loss not of one, but of seven children, and passed on. Except when he referred to his own losses or misfortunes in this indirect manner, he never cared to dwell upon them, nor did he permit them in any manner to interfere with his unceasing service to mankind and his cheerful sharing of their burdens. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو يعلم المؤمن ما عند الله من العقوبة ما طمع بجنته أحد ولو يعلم الكافر ما عند الله من الرحمة ما قلط من جنته أحد حضرت أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه narrates that the Holy Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said if a believer were to know the punishment in hell, none would have the audacity to aspire for paradise, but he would earnestly desire to be rescued from hell. And if a non-believer were to know what is there with Allah as a mercy, none would have been disappointed in regard to paradise. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. You're listening to the voice of Islam Radio, who's covering or who is presenting the true teachings of Islam here in the West. Dear listeners, um, now as we're approaching to uh, the first half of our uh, the, f- the, f- the half of our first hour, and we will discuss a very interesting and very uh, important topic. It is about Absana Begum, who is the first Britain's British wearing hijabi or let's say the first British MP who was wearing a hijab and she asked them that throughout the world or throughout this day and age how many times have we seen that people or especially women try to raise their voices try to show that we are brave as well that we need we want to make a change as well and I think this is what the world is also looking for that women should come forward and we have seen it many, many times that they have come forward. I mm-hmm. mean, every time we see a woman, yeah. strong woman. And especially in Islam, we have so many ex- um, people, so many women, so many 
role, female role models uh, we can follow and we can learn from that that they how they have tried to come forward and how they try to change the society of um for example in the holy quran god has mentioned that we should take two person as role models and these two persons they are female persons one is the wife of the pharaoh who actually according to islamic teaching did care did took care of uh prophet moses mm-hmm. she raised him and uh the other woman we should take as uh, role model is the mother of jesus mary as mary and jesus both are highly um respected in islamic teaching also in uh, uh they are mentioned in a very great way and respected way in the holy quran as well and uh, and even jesus is mentioned as a prophet in the holy quran so islam is basically already from the beginning uh try to promote or try to make us understand that how important women are and that we should take and respect them as well as the holy prophet peace be upon him stood up for the rights of women as well mm-hmm. uh in the, in the society in that time as some you need to understand women had no right in a time when uh, in the pre-islamic time in arabia they were considered as an object uh or let's say a lo- low class person and then the prophet peace be upon him came and then he came with the teachings that you should respect the woman and that men and women are equal and absolutely so i mean as you mentioned islam is the first religion um who gave rights to the women um you, you didn't have those rights before um right to do everything that a man does right to vote right to education right to everything of course and as a now the only prophet peace be upon him for example um he 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 would stood stood up whenever his daughter would enter the room mm-hmm. out, out of respect and he would never shout to one of his wives um even he would uh, listen to the advice as well uh, remember when he get got the first revelation he went to this uh, wife and she advised him to go and to look uh, to uh, to visit her cousin um Warka bin Nafal and the holy prophet peace be upon him he listened and he uh, followed the advice of his wife as well so women are playing a big role in that as well as they helped the prophet peace be upon him as well in different matters as well he listened um i think as i said before this is the time where people well in this day and age where people wants women to come out and women are coming out um in this sense that they want to show that they are here and that they can bring changing as well um we have for example as i said absana begum uh the first mp who's wearing the hijab but of course asam um there are many many other islamic women as well fatma al fihri i just want to mention now mm-hmm. she, who was the one who opened that university which is still very famous in this regard she was so much um prominent that even you know highly educated uh, people in islam in islamic teachings or in islamic history like ibn arbi would come and would learn from her 
So uh, this, is, uh, this is something very interesting and uh, this is a topic I'm very happy to present as well. Um, uh, in Islam, Islam is uh, a religion, as I said, who has f uh, given rights to women, dear listeners. And uh, the gist of the first segment, Asim, is basically that domestic abuse and violence is widespread in our society. People affected includes from all social classes, all forms of employment, including those in public life. Now, Ms. Absana Begum, the Labour MP for Popular and Limehouse, and has been an MP continuously since 12, the, the 12th September 2019. She stresses the point that we need to raise awareness to create a society where individuals experience experiencing domestic abuse feel confident will be believed and listening to and treated supportively. Awesome. Uh, uh, we have now with us uh, our first guest as well. We will discuss this uh, matter with her as well. as uh, We have Zalakha Ahmed who is the uh, who founded um, Zaha Ahmed, MBE, founded and is currently the CEO of Apna Haq, a survivor-led organization that supports black and minority ethnic women and girls in Rotherham, South Yorkshire, who are experiencing any form of violence. Now, dear listeners, she has over 30 years of experience developing and overseeing violence against women support services at a local level, while influencing strategy, policy and produce at a regional, national and European level. Zalakha was also awarded an MBE for services to women rights and community coercion in 2016. Now she had recently been appointed to the role of associate non-executive director role for Rotherham Foundation Health Trust. Zalakha, um, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Good morning. Zalakha, I, I, I was reading um, uh, some of your intro and um, I just wanted to know more about your organization and the work carried out. Okay, so um, I was blessed to set up the organization 28 years ago, and we support women from black and uh, minoritized communities around domestic and sexual violence. Um, probably 85% of the women that we support are from a variety of different Muslim backgrounds. Um, and when the women come to us, we will, uh, w and when they come, they have... Um, experience a range of emotional, physical, sexual, economic uh, control um, abuses and we help them either to get to a place of safety or to set up home. It depends on their individual circumstances. I see. Um, Zalakha, um, of course, this is a, a very difficult matter for those women as well. Uh, um, I just wanted to know uh, what is what guidance do you normally give them to them when they come with these problems? Okay, so for many of them, they've been brought up, for example, uh, the Muslims one, but also not just the Muslim ones. For example, we've had Sikh and Hindu women as well, uh, and women from other religions. And as women in most communities, women have been brought up to say that if they, for example, leave a marriage and especially if they have children, that they will be uh, they will be being bad and they won't be doing good for the children and, you know, they won't be, it won't be good for the family's reputation and name. And also for the women that have a religion and believe um, in a religion, they've been told that it's their duty as a wife 
um, whether it's God, whether it's Bhagwan, uh, that, that that God expects them to stay within the marriage no matter what's happening. So part of the work that we do at the beginning with the women uh, is to say to them, so for example, to the Muslim women and to the other women, that in terms of uh, the higher being, what we're told is that we have to ensure that we are safe and our children are safe, and that if we're mm-hmm. in relationships where um, we, uh, the women aren't safe, the children aren't safe, that they have a duty and a responsibility to do something about that. So that sometimes can take um, a while for the woman to sort of understand and get her head around that. Um, and then we provide the information about what the women's rights are. So within this country, um, domestic violence, and uh, when I was saying earlier about the physical, emotional, sexual, economic, and coercive control, they're all part of what is legally defined as domestic violence. And so domestic violence is against the law. So women have a right then to leave an abusive relationship and set up home and safety, and we support them through that process. Thank you, Zalakha. Um, so you have a very extensive experience in you know, overseeing violence against women, a support service at a local level while influencing strategy, policy and, you know, procedure at a regional, national and European level. So uh, my question is that what are some of the most common patterns or observations you have made? And do you feel we are having more control over um, domestic abuse? Um. Okay, so domestic abuse continues to rise. We found during lockdown, uh, not just in Muslim communities, but across all communities, Mm -hmm. uh, because women and children were at home, uh, there was more domestic abuse happening because the perpetrators were there all the time. Um, Overall, the more organizations that we have, like APNAHAG, and the more awareness raising we can do, and the more, I mean, your, your program's brilliant for airing these issues and having these discussions, the more we can um, get people to understand uh, that, that what domestic violence is. And um, just as an aside, like when, when I deliver training, we often start with by saying that the home is supposed to be the safest place. But if the home is where there's physical violence, there's sexual violence, there's uh, economic abuse, then uh, we have to do something about it. Mm. So the with increasing awareness we get more and more women coming forward and asking for support and getting that support so it's the continuation of doing the awareness raising work but also ensuring that when when the women come to us there's an appropriate support so that they are able to take that and uh, change their lives amazing so you also have done work in women's rights and cohesion in society um, how can that be increased in our society? So again, if, if you look at um, in terms of our organisation, our management board is made up from uh, a range of women from different nationalities. So, for example, in the last eight years, we had a number of Chinese women, uh, African women, um, Pakistani women, um, and um, currently we've got... Um, uh, women from Sri Lankan background, uh, Roma, Yemeni, um, and the over the years, what's happened is that those women on our board have formed friendships. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, uh, and these are local. Some of these, most of these women are local community women, local community activists, 
and they've formed friendships where now they visit each other, they go to each other's uh, children's weddings, for example, they go and visit each other and have tea. Um, when their organizations, so for example, if the Chinese organization, which is called Wa Hong, if they have an, organi- uh, an event or the Mama Africa event, the, some of the women that they've developed those relationships from different communities, they attend each other's uh, events. Um, so in terms of our work, it's not just about um, the domestic violence. It also brings in women from different backgrounds and enables them to get on with each other. Um, Dalaka, um about Abna Haq, um, just want to know uh, where the, how can someone can uh, find or can get in contact with Abna Haq? Is there any uh, social media website as well? Yes, yes, yes. So if you Google Abna Haq, uh, our website comes up um, and our contact numbers are on there. Uh, we have a Facebook page and uh, we do Twitter as well. But uh, the, web, the website page would be the best page. And um, as an organization, although we only can physically support women from uh, Rotherham, if anybody does contact us from another town, what we do is we uh, signpost them on, i.e. we find a local organization in their area that can support them and give them those contact details. No, amazing. Um, Zulakha, thank you for joining and I wish you all the best for the future and all, all the best for your organization. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, awesome. I think um, these points she has pointed out are very interesting as mm-hmm. well. And I think Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is a way for us as well that how we can change as uh, society as well, that we should come forward and we should support. Um, especially because Islam has promoted these things and, uh, many, many times, and even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Um, it is very strange, Asim. Awesome. Um, many times when I read those sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, It is like women have more rights than mm-hmm. a man. Absolutely. When he yeah. said that uh, you, your wife is someone you carrying around on on a chair, it's like so, uh, should be like someone you are carrying around in your house in a in a chair. Or mm-hmm. when he said that she is the queen, or um, where he has said that the paradise lies under the feet of your mother as well. This is something you know when you read this, mm-hmm. this then you realize it's only given to a woman, not to a man. And, um, and I think this is the way you actually realize that how important these men things actually are and that we, why you should respect a woman as well. I mean, she's b- being the daughter and then she's being the mother, which I think I believe for everyone. And everyone will agree with me when I say that the mother is one of the most, if not the most important person mm-hmm. of someone's life. Absolutely, yeah. And how she goes to what she goes through and how difficult it might be sometimes become for her. It's amazing what women are, how strong they basically are. And our duty is then to respect them and to pay back what they have done for us, what sacrifices they have actually done for us. Um, awesome. Uh, it is um, because the, the topic we are to, uh, have chosen today is because of Absana um, Begum. Again, uh, she's uh, the first MP who's wearing the hijab. Asim, what if, like, how is she get? Not, and I'm not saying she's getting famous, and I don't think she wants to become be famous. But what the work she's actually carrying out? Basically, um, she's working with uh, MPs from all parties mm-hmm. and calling for duty of care to be placed on employers. 
and political parties to ensure that survivors of domestic abuse are not exposed to you know further harassment in their roles i see i see okay that's interesting basically so he is basically taking sure that no one is going to these things which are already important as well domestic abuse for example and of you know um there are people sometimes they're not coming forward to these points as well and if someone is already coming forward and they're taking care this is very important as mm-hmm. well you're making a sign you're making uh, you're making a statement that I will take care and I will look after them um, but ask him um, who like basically being a woman is it like kind of a risk as well for her basically it, it, you know it, it can affect anyone uh, anywhere but you know female political representatives mm-hmm. uh, particularly from ethnic minorities backgrounds face you know disproportionate uh, barriers and are uh, like at a great risk of harassment and abuse including honor and uh, based abuse all right well that's so th- this must uh, recognize that you know post separation control and harassment is a form of domestic abuse itself and you know can occur long after a relationship or even a marriage is over with uh, different uh, tactics of abuse employed i see so asam um women are basically strong we both agree on that yeah and we have seen women coming and fighting for the rights as well which is very important as well and we have seen in the community of the ahmadiyya muslim community uh that how much like what a big influence they can actually have as we see that we have these female organizations and we both agree that they are most part of the world always been uh, more active than the mm-hmm. male organizations mm-hmm. uh and uh, this is this is so interesting for me sometimes that we can learn from them basically it is not the opposite this is always mm-hmm. that ma- ma- men are learning from the women and from the thing from the projects they are doing the way they are doing it is kind of that they are becoming the role models for us mm-hmm. uh, it's in- uh, interesting and awesome uh, we have we will carry on this interesting point we have, uh, with someone else now as well we have uh, the listeners um, we have pauline hennessy uh, with us uh, she is uh um sorry councilor Pauline Hennessy and who has worked with us as uh, domestic abuse and sexual violence counselor at the Sutton Women's Center for 13 years and she has decided to qualify as a survivor of domestic abuse in her first marriage Pauline um m- good morning and welcome to the breakfast show good morning thank you um Pauline um What is the most important aspect to remember when working with people who experience domestic abuse and violence? I think probably the most important thing is to believe what they're telling you. Okay. It's important that when they find the courage to open up and take that first step to get help and support that they are believed and that their experience is validated. and and uh, um pauline it might be possible then that some might not f- or might not feeling 
uh, or think that we shouldn't come forward or that they just want to uh, be alone. Is there any way to promote or to motivate them as well to go and to seek professional help? Is it, sorry, I didn't quite understand it. Is there any way for them to seek professional help? Is that what you're yes, asking? Yes, yes. If they d- want, if they don't want to come forward, if they, to motivate them to seek some professional help. Okay, and um, well, if they want to seek professional help, then there are many services in um, a lot of areas. Sutton is very privileged to have such a good service for domestic abuse. If they don't, I'm not sure if you said if they don't want to come forward. Did you say that? Just uh, someone who just don't f- want to bring or uh, just don't feel safe to come forward with these things. Okay, so it is safe to come mm. forward if they come to the right place. And Sutton Women's Centre is one of those places. They can come forward and they can get help in confidence. There may be aspects of their life that won't feel safe in that um, for some women it's difficult to come forward because of their culture maybe um, or because of their fear. But it is safe to come forward if you've got the right support and the right things in place like a safety plan. Thank you, Pauline. Uh, so, Pauline, what are some of the serious consequences, um, you know, domestic abuse uh, can have? I think the most serious one is probably death. When mm. a woman decides to leave a relationship that's abusive, then quite often her life can be um, in danger. And the other most serious ones, I guess, would be all the mental health complications <clears throat> that come with um, living in an, a, a relationship that's destructive emotionally, financially, and psychologically destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pauline, um, thank you for uh, uh, coming on the show. Uh, and uh, um, again, um, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Listeners, this was bye. bye. This was uh, Councillor Pauline Hennessy um, from domestic abuse and sexual violence. Um, Asim, uh, this topic is something uh, obviously we should carry on with the topic as well. We need to bring forward these things. Um, Asim, but I think important as well is that how the MAD community is supporting the female organization. We have just mentioned a few mm-hmm. things. Yeah, um, yeah. And we will mention a few more other things as well. But before we do so, we go for a short break, dear listener, for the news break. And we will wake after that. So do us a favor, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to the breakfast show. Asim, um, we are discussing uh, uh, this topic about the first female woman who's wearing hijab. And we had someone with us before we went to the break. Um, we had, um, sorry for that, uh, Councillor Pauline Hennessy. And dear listeners, she is still with us. And Asim, I think you have some question to ask to her. Yes. Um, so, Pauline, uh, welcome back again. 
Thank you. Can I can I just say that I'm I'm not a a counsellor as in um, the um, the way that you're a counsellor in in oh my goodness can't think of the word. I'm a therapeutic counsellor, so I work with people who have emotional problems. I see. Okay, thank you for that. I'm not a government counsellor. Okay, thank you very much. So, um, Pauline, my question is that you know how does post-separation control and Harassment, you know, is a form of domestic abuse itself. Uh, how does it occur? How does it occur? Yes. Okay, so usually if someone's left the um, relationship, then the perpetrator of the, of the domestic abuse can mm. use lots of different avenues and court and things like that in order to continue the abuse. Okay. They can also use their children to continue the abuse and to keep control over their, their ex-partner. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So uh, does post-separation you know, further negatively impact the victim? Yes, without a doubt. It, it, can, it has a huge impact on her, both emotionally and financially and maybe even psychologically mm -hmm. in that it, it continues to control her life she uses all her finances in order to go through courts to keep in custody of her children maybe or to to gain what she needs financially in order to have a life with her children somewhere for them to live a way of feeding them etc Pauline, um, thank you for all the questions. Very wonderful to listen to you. Um, Pauline, I wish you all the best for the future. And I hope one day we can have you back on The Breakfast Show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Listeners, 020 If you want to be a part of the show and the segment, you can call it at any time. Or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Awesome. Welcome back to you as well. Uh, awesome. Now, a serious matter. Of course, we've been here very a uh, long time. Um, what I want to know is if we're talking about women, mm -hmm. what if England's male football team is playing against England's female football team? Sadly, you said uh, we have to be serious. Yeah, I'm serious. Okay. I want to see a serious answer. Okay, okay. What's gonna win? Uh, so England male versus uh, women female. Yes. And well, well, I hope um, the women team wins. Well, so you're promoting them. Mm -hmm. I think it's because um, <coughs> you believe because England male haven't won anything in the last few years. It's, it's not because my wife is listening. Uh, okay. All right. It's not because you're scared of your wife. No, no, your no. no. It's not because yeah. that. <laughs> That's good. It's a good answer. Uh... Yeah, well, today, uh, <coughs> tomorrow, you haven't still t tell me the prediction for tomorrow's game. I think it's going to be an easy win and the score will be 4-1. 4-1 for, uh, for England? Yes. Well, okay. I mean, they got a good team, uh, Sterling and so Baku Osaka was very well yesterday. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Well. Um, the listeners, uh, let us know about your prediction for uh, tomorrow's game. Um very interesting to listen to you in tradition as well and, and again we have a show today at the World Cup special show on a, uh, for a drive time show we started for at 4 o'clock and will end at 6 
where we'll have guests from different backgrounds, from different countries, who will talk about their countries and what they think about they if they win or not. Um, we carry on with the topic uh, of Miss Absana Begum Asim. Who who is actually Absana Begum? What's the story? So indeed, you know, uh, for the um, duration of time as a member of parliament, she was uh, subject to you know sustained campaign. Um, she said that I have been subjected to a sustained campaign of mis misogynistic abuse and harassment. As such, in 2021, just two years after being first elected as the first UK um, hijab-wearing MP, which also coincided with the world pandemic, I had to endure an eight-day trial, which brutally forced me to talk about painful and private experiences. Awesome. We will come back to Absana Begum, mm -hmm. um, but right now we are with uh, Alicia Bianco from Hestia, uh, who has been working in the domestic abuse sector for 11 years and is currently pro program manager of Hestia's Everyone's Business Program, which supports employers of, to respond to domestic abuse. Now, previously, she worked as a social worker. Now, sitting with Hestia's wider domestic abuse prevention team, Everyone's Business is a national program that works directly with employers to support them in their delivery of an internal employee's response to domestic abuse by providing policy support, comprehensive training, package, a free response to abuse, advice night, and more. Now, to date, Hestia has worked with over 100 businesses and the program has trained over 550,000 people. Wow, that's a huge number. Um, um, Alicia Bianco, uh, morning and welcome to the Big for Show. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, Alicia, um, I just read out um, about your intro and about Hestia mm -hmm. as well. It's a, um, what is Hestia and what are the main aims of your organization? So at Hestia, we support adults and children in times of crisis. Um, so we deliver services across London and the South East. Um, apart from everyone's business, we, we're a national service. Um, and what we do at Hestia is as well as advocating nationally on issues that affect the people we work with, we also kind of um, support people locally with whatever is happening for them in that time of crisis. Um, so to give you an idea, last year, 2020, 2021, mm -hmm. we supported 15,000, just over 15,000 men and women and children. Wow. And that includes survivors of modern-day slavery, domestic mm. abuse and sexual violence, people with mental health needs, older people um, and care leavers and, and people leaving prison. And our expertise and experience is in supporting people to recover. Uh, so we've been uh, operational for over 50 years now. And that can be from giving someone a home, a place of safety, to helping them get the right mental health support they might need and support people, again, at that time of crisis, um, trying to enable them to live a life beyond crisis. Um, and as well as all of that and our wonderful staff, we're also supported. Mm. I think we've got just over 900 volunteers Amazing. across the pan-London uh, area who, who are really critical to our work and, and like you said, the, the aims and uh, mission of our organisation. Mm. No, that's amazing, basically. Wow. But where can we find Hesh? Is there any social media site, any website or any phone number where we can call in? 
That's a really good question. Um, yes to all of those. So we have, um, we're on Twitter, Instagram, all the kind of socials that you'd expect. And um, we do have uh, a website. So it's www.hestia.org. Um, and on there, there's all the different contact details for the different services that we offer. We also run an advice line, which is free and confidential for employers if they've got any concerns about someone experiencing domestic abuse. Um, and anyone can call that on 0203-879-3695. Thank you very much for all the information you just gave us. Um, so, Alessia, what is your role uh, at Hestia? Yeah, so like you said in, in the beginning, so I'm a program manager for everyone's business at Hestia. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's business, we support employers to have a robust, supportive and safe internal response to domestic abuse. So we understand that if someone is experiencing domestic abuse, their place of work might be the only place they have which is safe. Mm-hmm. That becomes harder if the alleged perpetrator also is um, in the same place of work. But generally, it could be that a vital lifeline is that person's employer. And because of that, that's how we started and the reason we started Everyone's Business, because what we were finding is we were meeting a lot of employers that wanted to support their colleagues and wanted to sort of be part of the conversation and change but they didn't know how to go about it they didn't know what some of the signs might be and importantly what they then did after sort of how they can um, respond to an employee experiencing domestic abuse now I've been um, yeah yeah sorry sorry just carry on no, no, no. I'm not on on, on the website of Hestia. Do you listen? I just want to read off some facts. So, um, fourteen thousand seven adults and children were supported last year by Hestia by you guys. Just what you mentioned, and ninety five percent are some. This very important. Interest ninety five percent of service users felt safe and secure whilst receiving their support, which is amazing. As That's well. great. Yeah, and fifteen thousand two hundred and twenty hours were given by six hundred volunteers in the last year. And this is six hundred volunteers, only volunteers. Wow, this is amazing. Basically, what the guys, uh, the work you guys are doing is wow, wonderful. Mm. Yes, amazing. So, um, can you tell us uh, more about the duty of care that uh, employers have? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I say, we we get that um, employers are often in the best position to be able to offer someone that place of safety and be able to offer them support. However, currently there is no legal requirement for employers to have a domestic abuse policy in their place of work or actually to do too much around domestic abuse. There is other legislation that we use, such as the Health and Safety at Work Act and the regulations alongside that, but they were sort of written in the 1970s and 80s. And whilst they're great, they weren't written with the um, concept of domestic abuse in mind. However, what the Domestic Abuse Act does do, which came into force last year in 2021, is it does acknowledge the role employers can play and talks about the missed opportunities that can happen to identify um, people who might be experiencing domestic abuse and therefore then be able to support them. One of the um, fantastic things is that this year, in July, the Domestic Abuse Act statutory guidance came in 
and the statutory guidance really strongly talks about the, the onus and importance on employers and it references, um, I mentioned the response to abuse advice line within everyone's business, it mentions that as a, a resource as well as a, a few other really important um, sort of mechanisms that employers uh, can use. But one of the things that employers, again, that we work with, often tell us is that if they are concerned um, that a colleague might be experiencing domestic abuse, they they don't know what to do, mm. and many of them wouldn't know what some of those signs are. So one of the things that we do is offer sort of training, support, and guidance to allow employers to understand what the dynamics of domestic abuse are, mm-hmm. who it can impact, and what some of those signs are, and then importantly, how to respond and refer so that employers don't feel that they need to become specialist domestic violence advisors overnight. Um, but just some of those signs might include someone not being at work, absenteeism, um, or someone always working late. And again, if, if their only place of safety is their place of work, uh, that will, that's something often that we'll see. It could be um, sort of changing your appearance to cover bruising or a change in behaviour. It could be lots of different things and none of them at all. And what we often talk about with employers is um, it's really important to be domestic abuse curious and think about domestic abuse in the same way that we talk really well now in this country about mental health. Mm -hmm. And we have mental health first aiders in the workplace. So we train domestic abuse champions in uh, the workplace for people and really support them to have policies. So every employer should should at least, as a minimum, have a domestic abuse policy that tells their staff, we're here for you, we believe you, we can support you, and, and this is how we can do that. Absolutely, thank you. Um, so an important question is that uh, why are women you know, especially from ethnic minority backgrounds, uh, like at a greater risk of harassment and abuse? It's a really important question. Um, at everyone's business, we, we support across gender. So we support men and women because we recognise that essentially domestic abuse can happen to absolutely everyone mm-hmm. uh, or anyone. It doesn't discriminate. Yeah. However, domestic abuse disproportionately impacts women So one in four women and one in six men will experience domestic abuse in their lifetime in the UK. Two women a week are killed as a result of domestic abuse. The majority of the women that are killed are killed by um, a current or ex-partner and the time of separation is one of the riskiest times. So one of the things we often get asked is, well, why don't people leave? And particularly, why don't women leave abusive relationships? And there's lots of different reasons, but one of the fundamental important reasons is they don't leave because they're much more likely to be killed by the person or people being abusive towards them. And so we will talk about the fact that domestic abuse is a gendered crime. Um, When we then think about additional kind of barriers or vulnerabilities, especially from um, women of ethnic minority backgrounds, the... Domestic Abuse Act doesn't necessarily cover all of those nuances. We know that there are limited refuge spaces for um, women of ethnic minority backgrounds and women with multiple complex needs. We know that there's a lack of that specialist funding to support those women. Um, And 
if they don't have the support available, they're not going to be able to access the support they need to then break that cycle and to be able to access um, yeah, supportive things. For some women from ethnic minority backgrounds who may have an unsure immigration status or their immigration status might be linked to, say, a spousal visa, this will mean that they are more vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. And again, they're less likely to access support, advocacy, criminal justice measures. Um, and the Istanbul Convention, that does require that victims of violence against women and girls, the gender-based crime that we're talking about, are protected regardless of their immigration status. One of the difficulties is that often people don't know what their rights and responsibilities are. Amazing. Um just last question. Um, what more can be done to lessen this injustice in the workplace? So I think I mentioned um, before, fundamentally, that organisations have domestic abuse policies is really important, mm. um, but that they walk the walk. So if you say you're going to be um, supporting your uh, colleagues around domestic abuse, that it's not just a tick box exercise. Um, so that might be by investing in consultation, training, signing up to the employer's initiative on domestic abuse, um, which is there a sort of supportive organisation that has network meetings and other um, opportunities for all organisations to come together and share best practice and learning. There's also... Um, other things that employers can do to ensure employees have as much support available. So there's an app that we've um, created alongside with partners called Bright Sky, um, uh, and that's an app that can be downloaded and have information and support. We would particularly say that's something which is useful for if you're supporting someone experiencing domestic abuse rather than the person themselves who is enduring the abuse uh, having that app on their phone. And in conjunction with all of that, um, at Hestia, we also have our UK Says No More team. So UK Says No More is a um, domestic abuse and sexual violence campaign. Um, and one of the things that UK Says No More have, which you might have heard about, again, in the pandemic, when we were all told to stay at home and, mm. you know, all of that stuff, which was fantastic. But if you are at home and you're experiencing domestic abuse, it's not a safe place. Mm. Um, we created safe spaces. So you can still currently go into any Boots, Morrisons or Farm or Superdrug, sorry, with a pharmacy. You can go to your local TSB bank, Lloyd's um, or HSBC and ask to use their safe space. And when you do that, you'll be taken to a consultation room and there'll be a phone or a computer, um, an essential lifeline for some people to be able to contact statutory services, contact the police. It might be to call their mum to say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm okay, I'm safe. Um, and, and that we haven't seen sort of a decline in people using those services and there's now thousands of safe spaces in the country. Well, that's amazing. Uh, that's very uh, amazing, wonderful. Um, Alicia, uh, thank you for joining and uh, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. We appreciate it. Thank Take you. care. You too. I think uh, this is very interesting um, what she just mentioned, especially in the end also as well, that you can go to any drug uh, 
a shop as well and you can find mm-hmm. comfort as well yeah that you have these facilities around the countries mm-hmm. of support that you need as well I think more and more people uh, should be aware that you can get yes. these helps. You I mean, know? Uh, to be honest, um, I was surprised by listening to this thing because I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But now listening to it, I'm feel more safe for me as well. I, I, like, I don't have these abuses, but for those who are going through these very difficult mm-hmm. times, uh, yeah. I think it is also that that people should get get this education to stop being the abuser mm-hmm. and. Uh, to calm themselves down as well. I mean, Islam is particularly saying that you should be patient as well. Yeah, absolutely. Of yeah. course, what um, Alicia just has mentioned over the work they are doing in Hestia is amazing as well. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Dear listeners, um, as, sh- as she has said, you can call it anytime. You can find them. You can find Hestia also on uh, social media as well. Or if you are not on social media, you can find them in uh, you can find them on the website as well, which is hestia.org so um, dear listeners uh, we will go now for a short break and after that we will back the promised messiah peace be on him founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states God Almighty has divided his wonderful universe into three categories first the world which is manifest and can be conceived through the eyes and the ears and other sensory organs directly or indirectly, with the help of instruments. Secondly, the world which is hidden and which can be understood through deductive reasoning and hypothesizing. Thirdly, the world which lies even farther than the hidden world, so hard to conceive and almost beyond the reach of imagination. Very few are those who are aware of its existence. That is an entirely obscure world which cannot be conceived through deduction, but is only imagined. One can have access to it only with the help of spiritual vision, or revelation, or word from God, and not by any other means. As is evident from the unchanging will of God, manifested in nature, one can safely deduce that as God has provided man with the apparatus to understand the first two categories of his creation mentioned above, Similarly, he must have provided man with the apparatus and instruments to conceive that world of his creation, which is mentioned under the third category. And that apparatus, as we have already mentioned, comprises spiritual vision, revelation, and the word of God. This mode of communication can never be conceived to be inoperative or to have ceased altogether in any age. Nay, but those who fulfilled the prerequisite have always been gifted with this and will continue to be gifted with the same. The Promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, It is proper for you to have sympathy for others and to purify yourselves so that thereby you may share, to a degree, the qualities of the Holy Spirit. Remember that without the Holy Spirit, true righteousness cannot be attained. Discard altogether the base animal desires in you and follow the path to the pleasure of Allah, be it the narrowest and most difficult of all. Do not be enamored of worldly pleasures because they lead you away from God. That suffering which pleases God is better than that pleasure which displeases Him. That defeat which pleases God is better than the victory which earns His displeasure. 
abandon that love which draws you nigh to the wrath of Allah. If you come to him with a pure heart, he will help you in every way and no enemy will be able to harm you. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. You're listening to Voice of Islam. That radio is promoting the true teachings and, and unbeautiful teachings of Islam. You're listening to another episode of Breakfast Show. And uh, Asim, we had interesting guests today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Interesting female guests who talked about how they help our people who are going through domestic abuse through violence and what they do to step up and to help them and Islam is saying basically that it is no nothing wrong to take female person as role models as well or to take um, advices from them as we have seen in history that Talib of Peace himself took advice from mm-hmm. female Absolutely. persons and how yeah, yeah. they helped him so the listeners Islam is a religion basically promoting the rights for women as well Islam has given uh, the rights to women to get education, to work. And surprisingly, you know, someone asked me, uh, I had this discussion, that women, are Muslim women, are not allowed to drive. Now, I had this video, and Mm -hmm. they said that this is how we basically taking those rights for women as well, which is totally wrong. I mean, uh, Aisha, the wife of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, she used to ride her own camel as well alone and so you can see that these things which are unfortunately happening in few parts of the Islamic world are not have nothing to do with Islamic religion mm-hmm. so you know aside even you know in the Holy Quran each partner in the marriage has been assigned a particular role mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Allah says in the Holy Quran that he said our Lord is he who gave unto everything its, its proper form and then guided to its uh, proper function which mm. is the chapter 20, verse 51. Um, even in, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that the best among you is the one who's best in treatment uh, to his family. So this is a, a really important that, uh, you know, uh, which tackles, you know, domestic abuse. So in, in Friday's sermon, His Holiness in 2017 said that the best of you are the best to the woman. Uh, led by example, some men think that they have uh, unbridled authority as the head of the house are engaged in domestic violence and cruelty to children. So if one wants to carry on treating his wife and children like ignorant people, then there's no benefit in coming into the bath, which is the oath of initiation mm-hmm. of the promised Messiah. The Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as the guardian of his family, made his family appreciate first and foremost the importance of establishing Tawheed, which is oneness of God. However, he did so with love and affection, not by force. Thus, Hazrat Aisha relates that the Holy uh, Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would wake up uh, during the night to offer a nawafal, which is a voluntary prayers, and he would wake us up with a, l- a light sprinkling of water so that we may offer nawafil as well and fulfill the responsibilities which are due to Allah. Then the Holy Prophet um, helped with tasks which were you know, of the duties of the wives. Uh, Hazrat Aisha relates that he would stitch his own clothes, mend his shoes 
and repair the household items. So basically, these are not only duties of these are duties of her husband as well. Exactly. She should do it by himself then. Yeah, yeah. So you would repair the household items such as water pockets, etc. So thus, uh, many husbands, keeping these examples in mind, will have to re-evaluate their behavior at home. Remember the hadith that the one form mind uh, will have to re-evaluate their behavior at home. So um, in the hadith it says that the one uh, from among you is the highest regards morals and manners who is better in his treatment of his wives. So that's good treatment style of wives is uh, the very sign of the greatness of one standard of faith. Uh, regarding the responsibilities of husbands and good treatments of wives, the promised Messiah states that, except for indecency, all, weak uh, all weaknesses and uh, petulant behavior of women should be tolerated. Uh, I find it absolutely shameful that a man uh, should fight a woman. Uh, once the promised Messiah said that our members uh, should not be harsh and ill-tempered with their wives. The Promised Messiah also said that once uh, raised uh, my voice against my wife and I immediately refrained from uttering, uh, uttering any hurtful and harsh word. I recited a lot of istighfar, which is uh, seeking forgiveness, and offered voluntary prayers uh, with great uh, fervidness and gave some charity. So basically, he can see that the founder of the Emmett Gibson community, mm -hmm. how shameful he felt, kind of, just to raise the voice. Exactly, yeah. And what he did, like, and this is some a lesson for us as well, that we should be, like gentlemen, should be very nice talking to our women and should take care of them, as they do for ourselves as well. So these are the things that, you, uh, you know, Islam has said, in, in regards of husband and wife, that you are the garment of each other. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. as a garment, when you wear a cloth, that piece of cloth, uh, you are taking cover from heat, cold, etc. So basically, you are taking, um, the garment is helping you, or securing you from any pain. And this is the, this is how Islam has basically explained how a husband and wife should live to, um, to protect each other. So basically, both are in need of each other as well. Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. It's amazing what Islam has said and what Islam has given to women as well. The listeners, um, we have ended the first segment. And then Aslam, the very second segment is very important as well. And you know, it's, it's been in my mind for the whole show. And I want to ask you, is there any way not to age? I'll be honest. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> that when you stand in the middle, oh, I just want to stay young. Or forever 26, forever 17. Mm, not really, no. Uh, yeah. Not me, me either, to be honest. Mm. I mean, okay. I uh, just stand in the mirror and, and see it is what it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor mirror. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, the listeners, uh, the next segment, or uh, the next topic of our segment is Is it possible to stop aging? Um, ask what is the gist of the story? So the gist is that uh, there are uh, no known organism on earth that live uh, life for eternity. There are a surprising number that love for a very long time, including the fact that they have biology as, as similar to our own. Scientists do believe that healthy human lifespan 
can be extended well beyond their current limit of a hundred years. There are living organisms that are called and negligible uh, senses, if I have <laughs> read that correct. Uh, those include uh, giant galapagos, uh, tortoise, fish, and some reptiles. The sample tissue uh, for tortoise and a 150-year-old specimen would look remarkably similar and competence to get around, reproduce and feed those uh, not reduced with age. Furthermore, uh, slow-moving and growing Greenland sharks are believed to live 300 years or more. So why does this not happen to humans? Uh, can be several reasons. Mainly due to the fact that our society involved, there's, you know... Society's involving a lot not to stay healthy. <laughs> there's no advantage to us living yeah, well, longer. But ask them, ask them, like, have you any advisors? Like, for example... I think healthy life, healthy food, and a good cream is helping as well. To good stay. cream? Yeah, maybe. I don't Absolutely. Know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Helping you not to age. Uh, dear listeners, um, we have, we're not alone. We have with us uh, Tina Woods, uh, who is a mission-driven social entrepreneur, inter- entrepreneur and system architect, bringing diverse stakeholders together in shared endeavors to improve and level up health, sit at the cross-section of science, Technology invest technology investment and policy. She is founder and CEO of Kulida Health and works with in private, public, and third sectors, including UK research and innovation, health, healthy aging industrial strategy, NSHA lab, and emerging integrated care system. Tina Woods, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Good morning. Good to be here. Good to be. Um, Tina, first question. Is there a way not to age? (laughs) Well, is there a way not to age? (laughs) Very good question, and that's something that um, many longevity scientists have been busy working on for quite some time. There are scientists like Aubrey de Grey, who some of your listeners might have seen and and read about in the press, who who argues that um, you can stem uh, the aging process um, through um, tackling uh, some of the, the reasons why our bodies start to decay. And if you get it right, you should be able to live forever. So mm. that's what some longevity scientists are saying, and that's really looking at the, the root of how our cells um, and our, our biological systems age and decay. Um, and of course, there are many, many factors why we age, and the real interest in research at the moment with a lot of the longevity scientists and the aging researchers are how to delay the aging process, which is all linked to your innate health trajectory. So what you hear in the press, for example, are ideas around biological age. We all know, you know, the age that we are based on the number of years, you know, since we were born, our birthdays, our chronological age. But the real interest at the moment is how you can delay the aging process so that Mm -hmm. your biological age can either be, you know, reduced um, or that the progression can be reduced to better you know, lifestyle cho- choices, um, et cetera. There's also obviously meant a huge amount of research looking at therapeutics to to, in- to interrupt the aging process, et cetera. So that's where the real activity is at the moment and how to reduce your biological age so that, you know, you can stay younger and more healthier um, for longer. Thank you very much. Uh, firstly, can you please tell us uh, more about genetics uh, can you define it and explain how they work? 
Sure. I mean, so uh, we are, we're all born um, with, you know, with our genes that essentially dictate um, how we will grow as, as, as human beings. And of course, there's a whole, you know, our, 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 our bodily sort of functions, our systems, our muscles, our brains, you know, they, they're all influenced um, through mm-hmm. this sort of blueprint that we're born with. Now, uh, a lot of the research is um, shedding light that even when you're in utero, when you're in the womb, in your mother's womb, the, the, uh, what, uh, the lifestyle of your parents can actually influence um, what they call the epigenetics, how your genes express themselves when you're born and, in, and throughout your life. So, uh, so right even before birth, it's really important that you um, mm-hmm. uh, um, are aware that your lifestyle choices the environmental factors around, you know, in your environment, they all, they all influence how your genes will express themselves. Um, so there's a lot that we can all do to, to make sure that we keep healthier for longer. Um, now, of course, our genes, some of us will be born with genes which might give us um, a higher risk to certain diseases. Um, and, you know, some of you will know there are certain diseases like sickle cell anemia and, um, you know, and a, and a range of sort of genetically linked uh, diseases where the genes are very, you know, very um, important and obviously crucial in, in deciding, you know, your fate. But actually a lot of uh, our health and the disease progression to diseases like um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, they can be, um, they can be, uh, they're, they're heavily influenced by our lifestyle and we can really, really influence and reduce the risk of developing these diseases. And even really serious ones like Alzheimer's, for example, the dementia, we can all um, influence our risk to getting these diseases um, by, um, by our lifestyle and what we choose to do um, day to day. So, and of course, all these diseases of aging, the ones that I've just mentioned, they're all linked through the underlying biology and, um, and pathophysiology of the aging process. So it's really important that we take steps. Um, if we want to live a healthier, longer life, to um, choose, you know, choose to eat well, to sleep well, to keep active. These all have a huge bearing on our health trajectory and our biological age, as I mentioned um, earlier. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, can aging be slowed down with or without artificial intelligence? That's the important question we have. Well, so, uh, so aging. So, where artificial intelligence comes in is um, is understanding patterns from data. So, uh, what the, so going back to aging research, for example, and longevity science, a lot of um, a lot of the discoveries that we're finding now about the interaction of different lifestyle factors or potential molecules and drugs, for example, that can influence the aging process. So, for example, phenylalanine drugs, which um, uh, which uh, can reduce the, the number of sort of what they call zombie cells. Um, Uh, are all really, really um, interesting areas of research. And of course, that research um, um, can be um, greatly speeded up through using artificial intelligence because they can identify patterns and data, um, you know, which, you know, are coming from, you know, uh, from you know, the research that we're doing in the lab, but also through, for example, um, the number of, uh, the increasing number of devices that we're all using in our daily lives. And we all I think most of us will know, you know, things like Fitbits and smartwatches or Apple watches. They're all collecting data on our lifestyle. And, and of course, um, you know, there are things like nectar cards that collect data on what we're buying in supermarkets that show the kind of food that we're eating. All this data in our lives um, can be collected and analyzed and insights by comparing all these different data sets. 
can actually show how our behavior, for example, and how we live our lives are influencing our health. So that um, is a huge area where artificial intelligence can be you know, really, really useful. They, um, you know, we know, for example, I mean, the, the big tech companies, they, they understand through what we choose on what we choose to buy and um, our choices in, 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 in how we do Google searches and what we're buying. Like Amazon knows exactly what we like through our buying, uh, buying, uh, our purchasing patterns, etc. All this tells us and tells you know the, the people collecting the data how we're motivated as human beings. What 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 are the things that we, we enjoy? What we like to do? And understanding that the behavioral side is again an area where AI could be really really useful in terms of designing. Um, for example, better housing and environments where we can we can live you know much longer and healthier. So these are all the really interesting areas where artificial intelligence can also be, be used. But certainly in scientific research, um, even simple things like um, uh, poring over and, and identifying the key scientific papers in certain in certain um, using sort of keywords, for example, is a, is a huge bonus for scientists because they can understand and find studies and and research, you know, in all, all over the world. Um, and of course, that's happened a lot during COVID as well. So, you know, that scientific collaboration, so all that is really aided and facilitated um, through using artificial intelligence, for example. And um, how comfortable are humans with using artificial intelligence? Well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a huge area, I think, um, of uh, discussion, because I think a lot of people, they, because there's so much happening and, this, and there's, there's so much development taking place and literally an exponential sort of growth in understanding and use of data and of course using these technologies for, 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 the, for all the, the right reasons, you know, um, it's really difficult to, to keep up with all the developments. And of course, you know, there's a lot of discussion that AI can be used um, for good, but also for, for harm. So, um, and that's where a lot of, I guess, the general public concerns are making sure that we're using artificial intelligence to, you know, to, to make our lives better, not to increase the divide between, you know, the, the haves and have-nots, you know. Um, so the ethical use of technology is really important. And I mean, on the, on the good side, you know, I know, um, you know, the UK government, for example, and certainly if you go um, and you look to the NHS, they've, they've spent a huge amount of they're, they're very, very focused on, you know, the ethical code of conduct and how we use, use AI um, really to benefit um, humans rather than, um, um, you know, to harm. And of course, so that, that's, a, you know, that's a big area that um, uh, is, is, is a huge focus. But I think, you know, listen, we all want to use technology for the good of humanity. And, um, and I think that's uh, where a lot of policy focus and uh, there's a huge amount of interest um, amongst the ethical community and the scientific community to get this right. Absolutely. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, that um, uh, Greenland sharks are to be, uh, you know, believed to be uh, live 300 years or more. So, uh, how are uh, animals aging different to humans? Well, they're programmed differently. So, you know, so, so that all comes from, there's a whole kind of tree of life. We all come from, from you know, well, depending on how you look at it, we all come from sort of bacteria and viruses and what have you. So we're all evolved, you know, from the same root. Mm -hmm. But of course, as what, as our sort of developmental, as we, uh, the, 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 the genetic programming has obviously evolved differently to give us certain sort of survival advantages. And this is where people like Darwin, they sort of showed that, you know, we, 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 uh, 
we, we sort of we, we, we survive on the basis of what gives us innate sort of survival, sort of benefits and advantages. And of course, over many, many millions of years, etc., we all evolved differently to give us those those survival advantages. Um, and of course, uh, that's linked to you know uh, how we evolve as, as 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 mammals, as human beings. So we all age at different rates, and that again is linked to you know our cell, cellular programming. Um, but in the end, it's all about what gives us you know um, the the, um, the ability to survive as a species. So so we're all different, but but the interesting thing is that we all come you know I mean well if you if you follow the sort of scientific theories about this, we all sort of come from the same sort of tree of life, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of um, uh, I guess aspects that we can study. For example, this is why in aging research and longevity science, they often do a lot of the, um, the research in um, animal models. So for example, Drosophila flies, nematode worms, um, they, they study the mechanisms you know, in these, um, in these uh, animal models because there's a lot that links us um, with those, um, even with those sort of, um, even with those sorts of animals. So um, in terms of understanding the, the biology of aging, for example. So but, you know, in the end, we're all different. We're all built to survive, um, you know, differently. Amazing. Uh, truly, it's very really amazing. Um, Tina, um, thank you for joining the Breakfast Show, and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much for having me, and all the best to you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Mm, right. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. So awesome. Um, uh, I'll ask you the question before that, but you never give me a true, true answer. What is the point you think, oh, okay, I'm now old? What is the age you believe? I mean, I haven't come to the age yet, so I wouldn't really know, you know? Uh, okay. that but it's the thing, it's good if you don't know your age, you're old and quick because then it means you're healthy. I remember His Holiness, um, may Allah be Sapa, he had a. Mm, meeting with the delegates from Bangladesh it was um, a meeting uh, 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 and the way he I think it was from Bangladesh I can't uh, remember probably but his holiness has said that um, it was the meeting with the other members of that delegation and Madhu said that basically with the age of 50 or you're not old you still can do something you're still young so referring that you should to stay healthy, you should buy, uh, ride a bicycle quite often, which is also very healthy. I know someone who's doing this, riding a bicycle, and he's almost 40 years old, but he's telling me that he feels 10 years younger by doing this. So staying healthy and staying fit plays a big role as well to stay healthy and to stay young as well. And uh, Hazur, is, uh, His Holiness, is, is a, himself is a big, big and a very good um, example for that. He told me once that when he went to Holland, he would drive a bicycle every day for 45 minutes. So this, um, it is amazing. But um, Asim, uh, is it possible to live forever? Well, uh, Sal, in short, um, the answer is no. Okay. There are no known organism on earth that live for eternity. E even in the Holy Quran, it says that every soul will taste death. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Ibn Abbas reported that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that there are two blessings which people waste, okay, which is health and free time. So, but um, yeah, but 
true. Be honest. Um, if it comes to health, we have fast food everywhere, and absolutely, and people are taking too much free time on going there and eating and. Um, <laughs> And of course, free time is something. You, if you have it, and uh, don't waste it. Uh, make sure you, you use that time you have given. Um, but what is but what is aging? To be honest, what is it? Is it like going getting weaker, getting older, not w- able to work to walk? Well, sir, so, uh, we all know about grey hairs and wrinkles, mm-hmm. but uh, there is more to it. All right, uh, like uh, weakened immune system, uh, bone and muscle loss. Uh, as early as 50 bones uh, start becoming thinner muscle mass is lost and rebuilding muscle is harder so the more you age it's uh, harder to uh, build muscles your bones become weaker so these are some uh, factors of aging as well well that's very sad Um, there also are some biological causes of course yeah Uh, DNA as our guest mentioned before, a genetic code is damaged over time by mutation and environment. And proteins, it needs regular maintenance and over time it starts to break down. Also cells, old and, um, you know, old cells underlie many health conditions. So these are some uh, biological causes of aging. Well, um, awesome. Aging is something I believe it has happened to everyone. It will happen to everyone mm-hmm. as well. Um, it is nothing wrong to aging, but I think the best, the more important thing is that you stay healthy. Absolutely, have yeah. healthy lifestyle. You do a lot of sports, but you also do eat good, healthy stuff as well. Um, I mean, uh, a perfect example <coughs> right now is our caliph. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's um, mashallah above seventy. Yeah, yeah. And recently, he went to America. Had to, um, where he kept always, always busy. He's mm-hmm. so busy, but he went to America where he promoted again through teaching of Islam. He traveled to different countries, uh, places, different cities. As you know, America is a big, big mm-hmm. place, and sometimes he had to travel like for seven hours, nine hours. I mean, we we would get tired yeah, by this traveling. Yeah, you know? But he was, and if he would listen to his sermons, they listen. You can do so on what. Uh, uh, on alislam.org you can listen to his sermon you can see that even though he was in America he, he still would look very fresh and not tired and um, giving high guidance and uh, high uh, uh, I mean this is the amazing thing and as you said he's a good role model for us mm-hmm. at and, and if you see his routine he, he gets up for the morning prayer and after the morning prayer he would go for a long walk. I think this is a most important thing. This that is the most important thing. I think yeah. um, it is important that to, uh, especially in the often in the morning, because this is the time where you are free, where you can do something. Because exactly. light later on in the daytime, it's very difficult to um, have some time. And to go or to have a bicycle, to ride a bicycle, or to go to gym, or to, I don't know, to run, anything which can keep your health uh, good, it is good and it should be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sile, uh, people misunderstand um, that, uh, you know, um, I've become 40 years old now, um, <laughs> near to that or anything. But age is just a number. We see that uh, some people who are like 70 and so fit. Mm. And on the other hand, you f- see who is 60 and he's on a stick, you know. So it's age is just a number. You, know, you have to keep yourself fit. Uh, go to the gym if you can't go to the gym walk 
eat healthy, eat uh, less sugary stuff, which is bad for your health. Um, no refined sugars, normal brown sugar, if you have to have to have brown sugar. Try to refrain from sugar at all. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you have to, you know, I, I need my sugars in my tea, you know. So I just use brown sugar instead of white sugar, which is still not good, but it's still better than white sugar. It's a try. Yeah. <laughs> Dear listeners, we have come to the end of the show. Um, very grateful for our producers, for our producer, Alpha, for producing that great show. If you want to listen to the show again, you can do so on SoundCloud, or you can stay in tune with the voice of some radio. As I said, today we will have a walk of special show at from starting from four to six. And if you want to listen again to the breakfast show, uh, you can do so tomorrow, turn in at uh, the same time from seven to nine. Um, meanwhile, um, we are grateful for you to turning in. Um, I wish you all the best for the Twitter.